good relaxing time and i don't have to work that's the thing i'm not hosting so i'm like this is chill zone for me you know like all right yeah i'm time to sit back and relax for a while you know i'm all for it let him do the work <laughs> exactly exactly talking records podcast talking records podcast talking records podcast we talk about our favorite records talking records podcast we're so glad you tuned in thank you all for listening you showed up to the right place jen and his friends dive deep and analyze the records we have grown to love we'll tell you how we found the band then give you a track by track breakdown of all the songs so grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat today we'll look at another record in its entirety Hi everyone, welcome to Talking Records. My name is Jed and you're tuned into a podcast devoted to connecting with friends over records we love. Today I'm joined by podcaster, or Bobcaster, Bob McPherson. How's it going, Bob? Very good, Jed. Very good. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. I'm super psyched to have you on Talking Records. I'm psyched to be here to talk to you about one of my favorite records of all time as well. Yes, I am very excited to dig into this record. But Bob, first, I, I, I got to ask about your show. You host an intriguing podcast called I Want to Party with Bob, where you discuss yes. the paranormal, the history of like, you know, like a paranormal location. And then you even find like a band from the area. Tell us how, how you came up with this idea. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I, it started with me thinking, well, I'm going to do a podcast and I'm just going to talk about things that I like, right? Yeah. Which punk rock is huge for me. And then paranormal stuff is huge as well. There's a, those are my two kind of main interests, you know, it, slowly but surely. I mean, I started out interviewing bands and I'd kind of talk about a haunted place here and there. The paranormal stuff has really started to kind of take over mm -hmm. uh, because the deeper and deeper I get into it the more and more weird and mysterious and interesting it gets for me. And punk rock, it's pretty simple. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you talk to a band, whatever. Yeah, you know, um, so we started, you know, we were four friends in high school and then we started playing and, you know, 30 years later, here we are, we're still, we're still idiots playing in a yeah. band. <laughs> and that's great. And that's a lot of fun, yeah. you know, but on the paranormal side of things, what keeps me getting deeper and deeper into it is the different kind of explanations that people come up with, with, well, what is a ghost? You know, mm. some people say it's like an energy thing. Some people say it's the spirit of a dead person or whatever. And that all that stuff is, it's really, it kind of boils down to the mystery of life and like an afterlife, the question of an afterlife and things like that. It's totally fascinating. That's to awesome. Me. So <laughs> at some point, I also kind of said, well, you know what? I need to combine the two more because I almost left the whole music thing behind. Mm -hmm. I was getting kind of burnt out on it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like not having a lot of fun talking to bands. And, you know, when you try and deal with people in bands, you're in a band yourself. I'm a drummer in a band, which may that's like 10 strikes against me as far as being a reliable person goes, right? Yeah. Like when you're talking to people in bands, it's like, hey, uh, let's set something up mm. a week from next Tuesday. And then Tuesday at seven in the morning, they're like, oh, no, it's not going to work. I can't talk until next week. And right. then you never hear from them again, yeah. you know, and you're like, you're like, oh, God, like, why didn't you just tell me that to begin with? Now I have no episode. I have right. nothing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so there, there was a little burnout factor with that. <laughs> and I found 
the paranormal thing I could kind of do on my own. I could say, well, you know what? I'm just going to talk about this haunted house. It's been there for 200 years. That one's not, that one isn't going to, here we go, a ghost on me. And I'll be able to talk about it no matter what. So yeah, it's more of a started as something where I did my first few episodes were Godzilla. I talked about a ghost town. I interviewed a couple of bands. I talked about Star Wars. I thought anything and everything under the sun that I loved or really was interested in. And as I said, I just kept getting deeper and deeper into paranormal cryptids, now UFOs and that the whole thing. And that's where I am today. And I, I just can't quite let go of the punk rock thing. And I probably never will. Yeah. And I've been told don't. You know, I have had people say that I've talked to, especially in the paranormal community, where I'm like, you know, I think I just need to drop the punk thing or the music thing period and they're like no 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 don't what i love about your podcast is you'll interview a ghost hunter or a paranormal investigator or something like that and then you'll play a song by like dillinger four in the middle you know and they're like oh i love that band now all of a sudden you introduced me to them or whatever and it's like okay well maybe i am doing something halfway decent i don't know know? that's awesome but that's my story basically and real quick the name that's my theme song from the band tilt wheel that I've been in for almost 30 years Mm -hmm. when we would play shows in like the early two thousands in between songs, people would sing a song to me. They'd sing, I want to party with Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so when I started the podcast, my wife said, why don't you name it after your song? And I'm like, what are you talking? Oh yeah. I want to party with Bob. Okay. That makes sense. That makes so yeah. Sense. So there we are. And it doesn't sound like when you hear it, you go, what's this guy going to be? It sounds like some dude sitting around with his buddies talking about <laughs> football or something, you know, but it's like, no, no, he's talking about very serious things here in some ways, you know, UFOs that will apparently take you to another dimension or what, I don't know what happens with that. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's that. Yeah. That's, that's it's me. It's definitely a great title, and you've got a great energy on the show. I definitely encourage people to check out. I want to party with Bob, crossing the punk rock with the paranormal. I love it, man. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. I do appreciate it. I Today, Bob it. and I will be talking about Lifetime's 1997 album, Jersey's Best Dancers. <laughs> favorite record of 1997 and beyond i think and beyond and so. a lot of great records came out in 97 so this is gonna be a fun. lot of great records did yeah yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> definitely all right jersey's best dancers was released on jade tree records on june 10th 1997 the album was recorded at tracks east studios in new jersey in two separate stages the album was engineered and mixed by steve evitz and produced by steve and the band Evitz got his start in 1992 and produced mostly metal, hardcore, and indie bands. After completing Dancers, Evitz produced Snapcase's Progression Through Unlearning and then Satisfaction is the Death of Desire by Hatebreed. Lifetime had hooked up with him for Hello Bastards and would proceed to use him from then on. So he did he re, so he did Victory Records stuff. Then. Yeah, he did a he lot of hardcore of stuff. So I think that's a really interesting ah. note because, you know, this... I don't know if you call this hardcore, but it's definitely like punk rock, hardcore, you know, there's, there's so much in this music besides just sure. like punk rock, you know? My only criticism of him is 
that snare sound on mm. progression through unlearning is like holy oh God, crap yeah. dude like <laughs> to like loosen that thing up or get a thicker snare yeah. or something man because that's like pop pop it sounds like pop. a pop gun like, yeah it does it almost sounds like the, other than that no complaints yeah so. it almost sounds like the sky records that were coming out with those picking up piccolo <laughs> snare drums yeah. good analogy i like that a lot <laughs> Two years after releasing Hello Bastards on Jade Tree, the band managed to release this record. Worn out from the road and entering fame territory the band wasn't completely comfortable with, the band actually broke up before the album was released. Yeah, I heard, I know, yeah, and when I had bought, I actually bought the record, and they had already broken up, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, rad, like, this great new band, cool, maybe I'll see them someday, oh, mm. never mind, they're gone, <laughs> so... Never mind. Yeah, I remember that being, well, I didn't know that at the time, but I remember reading about that, and it just created, like, this interesting backstory to this record and this band. Yeah, sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been documented across multiple interviews that the bigger shows, less intimate venues, and feeling like the band had to build a fan base wasn't very tasteful, maybe to the band or maybe just vocalist Ari. Playing in bands as far back as high school, Ari actually hit the road for two months with the band up front, playing drums before his senior year of high school. When Jersey's Best Dancers came out, he was 22 years old and just couldn't see a way to support himself or his family on making music. So isn't that interesting? Yeah, he kind of, I was reading about that too. Yeah, that he was like, you know, I can't keep going with this, like burned out no money right. and even though they were kind of that was one of their real peaks yeah. right i mean in 97 when that record came out they were ready to take over the world it seems like in hindsight mm -hmm. but i to i totally understand ari thinking like oh dude i can't keep doing this i right. have to i have to grow up at and some point stop. i have to settle down yeah i have to settle down yeah and i don't blame him i don't fault him for that no i don't um, either because you think about all the bands that made it. Of course, we hear about the success stories, but what about the millions and millions of bands who did the same exact thing, but their record didn't go on to achieve like cult-like right. status? You know, there are just millions of bands out there that called it quits at some point when they were like, "Yeah, we can't keep doing this forever." You know, we have to eventually get jobs, and but never knowing what the future may or may not bring. I think that's a really fascinating sure. thing. Here's it is, or they're that, doing both, or they try and do, and they just tour once or twice a year right. and kind of limp, limp along, you know, through their history. Yeah, and that's rough in and of itself too. You know, having a real job and trying to play in a band that's active, and of course, people want if you're any kind of popular at all, people want you to come to their city yeah. to see you play, and that makes it so. That's rough. That's really rough, and it's the that's the. That's the hard luck story of punk rock, or especially <laughs> DIY punk in and of itself, yeah. right? That's essentially what happened to my first band. We all got jobs, and then it became way too hard to keep doing the band thing and have full-time jobs. So Yeah, you kinda and have then to, especially if you get a pick. family or something like that, too, mm -hmm. and then that just adds even more, more, you know, more work to something that used to be really fun. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. I just worked 12 hours and got four <laughs> hours of sleep last night because my kid was up crying half the night, right? And it's <laughs> yeah. like, I can't go to practice. There's, there are diehard people that that's, they will never, ever, ever stop and right. will do no matter what it takes to keep it going. And I, I commend them, but yeah, it's rough, man. It is definitely rough. It's totally rough. 
The band needed financial security to continue, and their level of success at the time simply wasn't enough to plan a future round. It's really hard, like we've been talking about, to depend on being in a band to pay the bills. Further complicated, uh, at least in Ari's mind, that putting that much dependency on the band to make a living was crushing the joy of and you sure. know an energy of like actually doing it in the first place. So a very interesting way to think about being in a band and striving for success and, and grinding and maybe making it not so fun to find that success, you know? And here was right. someone who just wanted to love it, wanted to enjoy it, wanted the intimacy of the small venues, the clubs, those basement shows that Lifetime were famous yep. for, the house yep. parties. And it just got to a point where, you know, he was able to step away. And I, th- I think that's pretty bold. I think that's pretty amazing. It is. Sure, sure. And he, you know, I, I, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this as the songs come up, but I would think he might've been thinking, well, you know, it's just one more thing for people to give me a hard time about like you broke up the best band ever at the (laughs) peak of doing great stuff. Oh, why? And it's like, I think, I don't know. I don't think he cared that much. I think in a lot of ways he was like, you know, whatever, I don't care. Right. You know, and then he did um he did zero zero right after mm-hmm. that, didn't he? With his wife and mm-hmm. one of the other members of the band. And that was kind of like a kind of like a dance party kind of yeah. situation <laughs> with that band for sure. Exploring new territory. <laughs> he was exploring new territory. That's a very diplomatic way of saying it. Absolutely. <laughs> Genius. Yes. I appreciate that. On tour with Good Riddance, who are lifetime fans themselves, it all got to be too much for the band. No one except the guys in the band could ever tell you what contributed to their breakup. But based on interviews I've read, it seems to be in a bit of self-awareness, some of the guys in this band just didn't feel comfortable. I think they, like I said, pride themselves on being a basement show band surrounded by people who love the music. And so it's like, would you rather play packed basements with genuine fans or large concert halls with people waiting around for headliners and I just, I think these guys just chose the basements. I think they wanted to keep it, you yeah. know, your kind neighborhood of keep it friendly real. And they, you know, In just... their world, to keep their, hold on to their integrity and what they love doing exactly. and not, not shift into actually, you know, use that, use the S word, the sellouts, you know, they mm-hmm. didn't, maybe they felt like if they continued and they got bigger and bigger, maybe they'd be kind of like sellouts in a way and yeah. then they wouldn't have fun. And what's the point of doing it at all? Period. So yeah. Doing it for the wrong reasons and. Right. Making yeah, choices yeah. that you don't necessarily agree with, but you have to make them in order to keep moving forward or and survive and thrive yeah. as like a big band. Especially in the in ninety seven, you still had somewhat of the feeding frenzy of major labels going after the bigger punk rock and especially pop punk bands. And emo bands then were starting to really kind of creep in and take over, you know. Yeah. So maybe they felt also like we don't want to be, yeah, we just, we don't want to be the next Blink. We don't want to be the next Offspring mm-hmm. or Green Day or anything like that. That's not us. Mm-hmm. So highly commendable. Yeah, absolutely. It shows they definitely studied the uh, the MRR way of thinking yeah. in those days. <laughs> At only 23 minutes long, the album is just a burst of power. The band had made a career out of combining the elements of hardcore they grew up around, but combining it with melody. Tired of the tough guy image associated with the genre, the band worked hard to craft their own version. Rather than screaming about their crew or how awesome their tattoos were, the band focused on inner turmoil. 
Though they had noticed the crowds getting bigger at their shows, the band had no inkling that this album would take off the way it did. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that they weren't anticipating this record. Get, well, I, I'm sure they knew they didn't know at the time mm-hmm. how influential the record would right, be, right? Yeah. yeah, no one knows they're but, making an influential record when they make it, but... Right, right, yeah. right. He never sit down and go, okay, we're going to influence kind of every <laughs> band for the next 20 years with this record. Is yeah. everybody cool with that? Can we, yeah, we can all agree we're going to be the most influential band in the melodic punk rock scene mm-hmm. ever. Okay. Yeah. Next to Husker Du. Anyways, <laughs> uh, next, you know, I, I kind of never thought of it in the sense like they didn't know how, how that this record was going to be such a hit and everything. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, there's they really there's no way of knowing. The record was recorded very quickly. It was a great batch of songs. They obviously caught the energy of their live show on the recording. You know, whether that's the credit goes to the band or the, the credit goes to producer Steve Evitz. It's just yeah, the record came out and then they broke up. <laughs> right. And then but they had to go back and do those other two songs, right? Didn't they at one point they're like Oh, wait, we don't like something. We need to add a little bit more Mm. to this, right? Yeah. Wasn't that kind of how that went? They kind of put it, yeah, kind of put it together as as they were kind of falling apart. Um, But, you know, they get it out. The record comes out. There's no tour. (laughs) There's no videos. The album just spread by word of mouth. And like you said, would give rise to just countless imitators. Uh, Chief Among Them Saves the Day who not only utilized the same recording studio, but would even go on to enlist Steve Evitz to produce their record. So very interesting. It is. And didn't, did they cover a Lifetime song too? I know Fallout Boy did. I'm and they sure. say Fallout Boy says they were super influenced by Lifetime. Yeah. But did Saves the Day do a cover? I think they, they must have. Yeah. I think they did Verona Kings. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. what's, what you call it, uh, Fallout Boy ended up doing Turnpike Gates, which mm-hmm. is like, you couldn't put a hot poker on my nuts to make me listen to that version of the song. I'm very sorry <laughs> yeah, to anybody next. who likes Fallout Boy. Next, yeah, I would rather listen to a cat trying to play that on a keyboard than Fallout Boy performing. That actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> it might actually. So, Bob, you mentioned Ari's band that he formed after the band broke up. I want to mention guitarist Dan Yemen, who would go on to form Kid Dynamite. And then eventually paint it black. Favorite band next to, next to Lifetime. Yeah. One of my absolute favorite bands. Of awesome. Lifetime, Kid Dynamite. Yeah. Ari would uh, form his band. He would also open a record shop and, you know, engage in various musical projects. Um, currently, he's singing in Beach Rats with Brian and Pete from Bouncing Souls and Brian Baker from Bad Religion. Have you heard that band? I have. I have. And I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other about it i think mm. it's okay i think it's pretty good yeah but considering that it's somewhat of a super group mm-hmm. it's not quite as super as i want it to be mm. right like yeah. i kind of go yeah it's pretty good yeah it's i like good. it but yeah. i like it <laughs> i like it but i wouldn't go out of my way to to go out and see them or you know anything like that so no but it is it's good i i i, I had a lot of anticipation for that Mm -hmm. like this is going to be the best thing that's ever hit you know and it was like just uh (laughs) it kind of just wasn't you know Mm. for me anyways yeah maybe it's a grower i'll keep listening to it 
I, I think I need to revisit it, honestly, because <laughs> it's been a couple years since the last time I heard it. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Bob, I want to know, how did you get into Jersey's Best Dancers? There was a record store down the street from my house. And this house that I lived in, we didn't have a TV. We didn't have cable. We didn't have Internet. It's kind of pre-Internet for me in some ways, mm -hmm. even though the Internet was out there. It just wasn't very popular at the time. Right. So I didn't really have much to do other than sit around and read and listen to music. So this record store, I would go there every Friday after I got paid and just look for something to buy that I hadn't heard yet. You know, I'd mm -hmm. buy like one CD or whatever for 10 bucks mm -hmm. back then, the kind of the glory days of yeah. music in a way, right? The you know, 99 CD. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and the person that ran the store got to know me because it was a small store and it wasn't very popular. And, you know, I don't know. It was kind of a weird thing. It was a weird time for for record stores, you know, like the late 90s in some ways. Mm -hmm. And um, I would go in and he would say, hey, you know, I got this. I got this new record. You want to check it out? And he would like play it for me. And if I liked it, I'd take it home. Nice. Or if he wasn't working, like his wife would work sometimes <laughs> and she wouldn't do that. But I would if I, I there's a lot of label recognition for me back then. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I was really into the victory record thing for a while. Yep. I don't know. I loved Hatebreed and Cast Iron Hike mm. and Snapcase. So if I saw a new victory record, I'd usually buy it. Or in what happened, how I found Lifetime was through that record store. I had, I had just started to get that kind of label recognition with Jade Tree. I forget what I bought. I think it was that Alkaline Trio Hot Water Music split, oh, nice. right? Yeah. And maybe one other record. And I was like, I had seen J tree ads in like uh flip side back then. Mm -hmm. And one of the other bigger punk zines, it wasn't MRR, but it was another one of the kind of glossier punk zines of the time. And I go, oh, this label sound seems pretty cool. I'm from New Jersey too. Okay. Mm -hmm. I see the cover. I see the CD lifetime Jersey's best dancers. I go, okay, this band has to be good because <laughs> Listen, the name of the record, you know, Jersey's Best Dance. It, the, just the name of the record and the label recognition got me. Nice. So I bought it, popped it into the CD player on the way home and was like, oh, my God, like mind blown. <laughs> wow, what is this? I am, what? Yeah. Like, I don't even, and here's the thing with me. I don't even like speedy melodic punk. Mm -hmm. Like, good riddance, eh. You know, good riddance, fine, goodbye. I don't, uh, <laughs> great band lyrically and great band in every which way, but it's just not my thing, mm -hmm. right? Lifetime is kind of the only band that plays this kind of speedy, melodic, slightly hardcore-ish punk rock mm -hmm. that I love because they just hit all the right notes. And oh, that okay. happened right when I bought that. So it was all label recognition the fact of the title of the record and that they were from <laughs> New Jersey, you know, that implied they were from New Jersey. So I go, Ooh, yeah, these guys are going to be Jersey good. Boys, right. Yeah, that's great. And so I bought it and fell in love right away. And I listened to it nonstop that's for awesome. the next, like <laughs> at least a year, every day of wow. playing it over and over again, you know? So <laughs> that's, that's a great how story. I found it. Yes. This is one of those albums for me that I can remember exactly where I was when I first heard it. So like you, I can remember exactly my entry point. So sometime in the mid-2000s, my band, No Intention, was playing a show at this place called The Flywheel right here in town where I live. 
And the guy running sound had this album on it, like full blast. And we were setting up our gear, and I just remember being amped up by this incredibly loud, fast, and energetic music that I had zero familiarity with. Also, I thought the samples of the guy explaining tuning and guitar playing obviously lifted from like some old record or something. Yeah, yeah. It was really I thought that was really cool and I just thought it was neat and I assumed that the it was like a concept album or something. I actually went up to the guy running sound and I asked him what the band was and he looked at me like I was the biggest idiot on the planet. <laughs> he was like, "Um, Lifetime." <laughs> uh, duh. Where have you been, yeah. Chad? He actually chuckled at me like, "How could you not know who this is?" and you know, I realized at that time I needed to start branching out a little bit and I, I picked up this record and yeah, I just loved it. It was just full power energy. You just like felt like you're in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. From the very first note of Turnpike Gates, I mean, it literally like grabs you by the throat and does not let you get right. up until the very end, the right? I mean, it's minutes, like, yeah. oh my God, like... <laughs> what just happened you know i mean seriously it's like a like an oral like slap in the face yeah. over and over like oh whoa crazy great amazing you know <laughs> over and over yeah all right bob you ready to jump into these tracks i am ready i am absolutely ready all right so like you said the record kicks off with turnpike gates Rolls in after a sample lifted from again. I don't. I don't know where these samples came from. Some old record or something lying around. I think they're yep. great. The song features just fast-paced guitars and drums, and it's just balls to the wall, man. Ari's delivery right from the start manages yep. to slow all that down with his emotive drawl and the way he kind of groups words together. It's like the music is going really fast, but he's singing. In, like at his own pace, you know, and somehow it all right. fits together. <laughs> it works perfect. I think that's the that's what grabs me about yeah. this band and this record is the way that Ari sings. That's it. You know, he's not going a, a million miles a minute yeah. singing, but he, yeah, he's doing his own thing. And it, God, it works so good. It works so well together. He could easily be up there screaming and yelling, but instead he's like singing. He's just, you know. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> I took the stairs. I don't want to fight with you if I can't be the one to have you. You sat that chair like a queen in the kitchen. I memorized the lines your eyes made at every squint you shot my way. Just great lyrics in this first opening song. I always loved Absolutely. that line. I'm a big fan of lyrics. And when I see stuff like that, I always get like, damn it. Like, how, why didn't I think of something like that? Because it <laughs> says so much with, with so yeah, little. Yeah, and I, just, I yeah. always love that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and it. When you hear the music, you're going, "Whoa! Is he is he singing about a girl? Kind of mm -hmm. that he? Interesting. Okay, you know, we're, a lot of times when you hear music where the lyrics are that personal and kind of uh, vulnerable in a way, right? Mm -hmm. the The music is much different. The music is more like the Promise Ring or something yeah. like that. Yep, where it's kind of very emo or very shoegazerous mm -hmm. shoegazer-ish and with lifetime they took that kind of tough guy hardcore thing especially with turnpike gates and that's that's like the music is the first punch mm -hmm. 
and the lyrics that are so rad and incredible are the next punch where you're like oh my god yeah. i wasn't expecting that you know both things yeah <laughs> right and it makes it that much more beautiful to see that to those two worlds can come together and that and it kind of proves that anything is possible and anything is absolutely uh achievable mm -hmm. in some ways that's me that's a very a broad way to say you know um whatever it is i'm trying to say i'm not really 100% sure there you know but uh, yes yeah. this song just has great energy it's a fantastic opener and one that would often open their sets when they reunited so when they actually came back i think 2007 or or so they ended up doing another album and then they would they would play shows and this uh this track would uh kick off their sets so pretty awesome yeah and if you watch those live shows and listen to see all the people that are singing along yeah. like word for word it's <laughs> the most incredible thing i've ever seen you know it's such a phenomenon it's, i mean the it is and it's rare to see bands where you, people will do that you know where the whole crowd knows all the lyrics yeah. it's that's so beautiful <laughs> all right let's take a look at the next track young loud and scotty I think this is my favorite song on the record. I think it might be mine too yeah. in some way. I mean, Tur I always go, well, I think Turnpike Gates is my favorite song, but then Young Loud and Scotty comes on yeah. and it's like, no, wait a minute. Yeah. I think it might <laughs> be this thing. one actually, you know? Yeah. I and the name is based off of a um, Dead Boys, right? A right. Dead Bo instead of Young Loud and Snotty. Yeah. Isn't that what it is? Yep. Yep. And Scotty's the drummer, isn't that? So are they talking about Scotty the drummer? Is that kind of a reference to him? It's got to be, yeah. I think so. It has to be, right? It I don't know be, what yeah. else it could be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so melodic, and I love the various sections that just charge forward. The first section of the song just has those great palm mutes, and Dave's bass sounds nice and chunky. And then Scott starts off rolling between snare and floor, and then the song just, like, takes off. And I just yeah, love totally. the way that that all all goes down <laughs> yeah 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 uh, kind of well, one of the most perfect songs i think in all of punctum yeah it's great when you watch old videos and even ones from 97 before they before they called it quits the videos are in all these like tiny clubs like the stone pony uh and the fireside the crowds are all right up against the stage and people are just belting out the lyrics even these newer yeah. songs in 97 we're getting like a lot of crowd reaction so going back to what we were saying before i mean they must have had like a little bit of an inkling that they had something special here but right right because you didn't see that with every band back then i mean mm -hmm. you know punk was a lot punk was really really popular right then by yeah. mainstream standards especially or was really getting there in a lot of ways yeah the big like skate and punk yeah fat records epitaph Right, Hater, right. It was yeah. huge, right? Mm -hmm. And to see for them to play a show and see like, whoa, like, did you see like all of these people know every lyric in this to to this song? Like, how? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wonder. I would that may, that does kind of make you wonder. That does make you wonder a little bit. And then I love how when they did reunite in two thousand seven, they went right back to playing basement shows. I mean, <laughs> they didn't they didn't do too many like big huge shows or any of those festivals. They went right back. And did those small intimate shows because I think that's their wheelhouse, you know. I think that's where they belong. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a that's kind of their yeah, that's where they like to come out and play, you know. That's where they like to that's where they have their the most fun more mm-hmm. than likely. Yeah. I always like to pick out lyrics that I like in I love the line in this song. I'd like to know what's going on. Could you please pick up the phone? I started 1 million letters to you, but I couldn't finish any of them. And that that says so much about how we feel sometimes when we are so stuck and we we have something to say to somebody but we just we can't get it perfect we can't get it the way we want it and we probably rehearse it in our heads like a million times but when it comes time to actually say it the words just aren't there anymore the words aren't there yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's amazing it's a great line it's kind of like me on this podcast so far (laughs) is what i'm trying to say anyway uh, no not that bad if you have now would be the time for a i have there we go nice oh you've got sound effects ready to go (laughs) i do I do. Amazing. I don't use them that much because it's not a morning radio show yet. Yeah. We could it easily turn it into there. a morning radio show. We could. <laughs> hey, hey. You know. <laughs> it's the top of the hour. <laughs> it's the top of the hour. Now let's go to traffic. Wow. Oh, it looks like it's getting a little ghosty out there. You know, okay. So that's enough of that. <laughs> Track three is Francie Nolan. <laughs> Starts right in with the thick palm muted guitars and Ari's vocals. So one of those songs that just, boom, kicks right in. Not wasting any time with a long intro or an instrumental piece that, you know, eases yeah. you into the song. We're just we're just going. Just go, go, go. Yeah. And yep. again, I'll probably say this a dozen more times. I just love the energy on this record. It's like, like you said before, there's no let up. It's like you can't even breathe. You're just like, right, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. There's urgency to it, right? Yeah. Like where you just, yeah, every, it's like they don't want to waste a second without doing something, mm-hmm. you know, so just going full blast yeah. almost. So, yeah, Francie Nolan's one of my favorite songs. The first three songs on this record by far yeah. are my top, really you know, strong. three songs of the yeah. whole record. I love the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I think it almost, I think it goes two, one, three. For me, if I had to pick my top three, yeah, Francie yeah. Nolan would be number three, but still top three out of 12 is not bad, you know. Love this song. I love that the title comes from A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. Francie Nolan is the main character and the book is about her life growing up in poverty in Brooklyn. I never knew that. Yeah. And I read that book right around the time of getting this record. Like I said, I lived in a place <laughs> where we didn't have internet or TV. Yeah. So all I did was go to like the record shop to buy a record every week, but I would also go to a used bookstore mm-hmm. and just like load up on books. And I went through a phase at the same time that I got this Jersey's Best Dancers where I was going through all the classic books like nice. Catcher in the Rye, yeah. A Tree Goes in, Grows in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, uh, all the Steinbeck books, mm-hmm. whatever. I never knew that. Well, thank you very much. I already feel, <laughs> I mean, I feel great about coming on and talking to you about this record, but now I actually learned something really cool nice. too. So well, that's yes. our goal here. Yeah. All right. It is. It's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> the line, you know, she's just a name, but with smoke in her hair, I could still smell how sweet she would be to kiss. And we talked about nothing until she had to go where second chances. Again, great lines. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. That a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this song has a bit of a guitar solo in it. Uh, it does. Yeah, it kind of yes, got away with yes. a little, little something there. 
Tar solo wise. <laughs> was it Dan, do you think? Was it Dan Yemen that did it, you think? Absolutely. He had to have been okay. like, let me just slip something in here. <laughs> I'll just, I'm just, nobody will notice. Right. We're just going to do it real quick. Let me get okay. this in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was he wearing shoes when he did? Probably not, because every time you see a picture of him back in those days, he was always playing in just like his socks. Yeah. Have you ever no- have you ever noticed I've that? Seen sh- it's like, uh, yeah, I've seen shots of him as like his socks or his feet. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And you're like, Dan, why don't you ever I, if I ever do yeah. get the opportunity to interview him? Now I just wrote to Open City a couple weeks ago to say, like, hey, I really want to interview you guys or talk about something. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be my first question. Dan, <laughs> do you have a policy against playing in shoes? What have you got against shoes? Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe he's vegan and he's like, they're all canvas. I can't wear Mm, those types of shoes. There are vegan shoes out there for sure. But yeah, maybe at the time he was like, well, I can only wear Vans. But since I'm vegan, I uh, I just can't. Well, here I am in Philadelphia in December in socks and snow. So (laughs) I I don't know. You know, maybe that's how he gets in the zone. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. It's something different for everybody. So, So, you know, three songs deep on the record. I haven't really dove into what these songs are about for me lifetime songs were always a little harder to figure out exactly what they were about i don't know if they were really about any one thing as much as you know i've been sharing lyrics i think they're just about images and they're about creating moods or feelings or expressing feelings that are not necessarily as linear they're not as narrative like i went to the store you know (laughs) it's just like a way of capturing feelings. And I think that's what I really like about lyricists like these guys when they when they kind of do that and leave the song so open to interpretation that a lot of people would have Oh, sure. Views. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and it's also, you know, maybe he maybe he is talking about specific times and specific things when he saw or felt a certain way, but it's just I always have felt that every song is like each part is kind of almost like a separate window into yeah. like Ari's soul or who he is or what a time that really affected him strongly or a time that he felt really strongly about somebody else mm-hmm. or something like that. Or even like you said, where it's, 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 yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's tricky, right? It's very open to interpretation in yeah. some ways. And that's, that's almost the best kind of art that there is to be a pretentious asshole, <laughs> you know, to t- say that. But um, yeah, it's beautiful though. I mean, it's great. I love it yeah. because it can also apply to you. You can take exactly some of those words and, and you start thinking about a time when you were going through the same thing mm. or experiencing that kind of like, like these unrequited feelings for somebody right. or not knowing how to talk to somebody. And that's kind of the beauty of the whole thing in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Which is a perfect segue into the next song, 25 Cent Giraffes, which I feel like I know exactly what this song is about. This is the old going on tour and leaving a gal behind song. <laughs> Ari sings, she grew wings and I grew wheels, and now the dust covers my heels. And then he sings, it's you or two months on the road. So again, it's that that feeling of, you know, you've got something going on at home. It's great. It's wonderful. But you also have to go on the road and tour and leaving one behind or, you know, choosing between the two. And I think a lot of bands, a lot of people who have written songs have, have been in this, in this uh, mindset. 
I never thought too deeply into the meaning of that song, mm. to be honest with you. I always kind of felt like it was just like him talking about uh, growing apart from mm. somebody else. Like mm. I'm on the ground and she's up here, you know, that kind of thing. But I think your explanation for it actually makes a lot more sense. In some ways. <laughs> but it's that whole per personal lyric thing too, though, yeah. right? It's like, it means something different to you than it does to me in some ways, but it also kind of means the same thing. So that's kind of what's awesome about yeah, it. Yeah, same ideas. Yeah, same general same idea. Same basic idea or mm -hmm. principle in some ways. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. I must have listened to the first 30 or so seconds of this song a dozen times. Does he jump the key there? I swear in the beginning, there's like a key jump. I'm going to have to keep listening to it. I was, I kept hitting like the, you know, going back to the beginning of the song, like trying to hear... <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You're you're talking to a drummer. Yeah. So I don't know shit about <laughs> music. Keys, That's yeah. all I have to say. He's yeah, tightened right. my snare drum. I'm all wait, do they there's there's a keyboard in this band? Yeah. What are you talking about exactly? <laughs> talking I don't about? really understand. Does somebody see has anybody seen my beer? That's the most important part of playing drums <laughs> is to keep your beer close to you. And well, drumsticks, you need those. Yeah, they fly out of your hands or they do. They, yeah, or you sharpen them down like pencils and you've got a pile of sawdust at your feet. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. yes. <laughs> All right, I'll move on to the bridge then. I like the bridge section where they build it back up. Scott's drums are just great. And I love how Peter and Dan's guitars are layered at this point. Uh, with two guitarists in the band, it was cool that despite having such short songs, they always found different things for the guitars to be doing, which is important. Because yeah. if they were just both playing the same power chords or something, then there really wouldn't be a need for two guitar players, but they always right. found a way, you know, one guy might be grinding out power chords while the other guy is just like throwing octaves in there or accents over the music. And I always appreciate that as a guitarist. I always appreciated that. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you, um, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you like Leatherface? Have you ever listened to Leatherface? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, what's your favorite Leatherface record? I'm going to put you on the spot here oh, first before like, that's a hard question you know i gotta be honest a lot of my leather face comes in like just shuffle or like a mix on my ipod ah, i'm a holdout okay, gotcha, i'm an gotcha. ipod holdout and i i often just kind of cycle through so yeah mush um the guitar that's i think my whole point like listen to the two guitars yeah. and that and that's another thing about lifetime that i love too is like just like you said they're not always doing the same thing mm -hmm. it's and that's what i love about Leatherface a ton too yeah is they're kind of bouncing off of each other like almost not really fighting with each other mm -hmm. but they're just they're they're at odds while being in sync at the same time yeah it's you pretty know? cool it is i love it yeah, yeah, yeah. i love it yeah. i do know not enough about music to differentiate the two <laughs> guitar things you know so nice <laughs> <laughs> the next song is hey katrine And he pronounces, and he says, hey, Katrina. Yeah. Like, hey, wait a minute. It says right here, this is not pronounced Katrina yeah. in the title of the song, Ari. Like, what? Yeah. Why did you do that? That always threw you me. And then for me. a long time, I looked at it really fast, and I thought it was, hey, Catherine. So, I mean, this song is all me over the too. place. Yeah, this song me is all too. over the place in terms Same. of title and what it's actually, how it's actually pronounced and how he pronounces it. And I always thought this was uh, a funny, a funny one. Yeah, forever, I thought yeah. it was, hey, Catherine. 
I did too. Well, just like you said, when you just glance at it, yeah, you're like, oh hey, oh hey, Catherine. Okay, it's got all then, the letters wait, in the no. right places, and you just kind of like you, right, your, your right. muscle memory for reading takes over, and you're just like, oh yeah, <laughs> you're and, like, then, um, and then move on. Yeah, Katrina? Yep, yeah exactly. Katrina. Did you say Katrina? <laughs> I do like this song. I don't know. It's a little um. They slowed down a little bit. It is. It does, and, it, and it's kind of cool because it's a little bit of an intermission in some ways, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I usually really love when bands do kind of mix it up, you know, where they kind of split, like when they'll do like a halftime song mm-hmm. almost in some ways. Like a strung out's a good example of yeah. that for me. Like I much prefer their slower stuff to their faster stuff. But it thro- this song does throw me off on this record because mm-hmm. you're like. Okay, I'm ready for the next one. Here we go. Let's yeah. go. And it's like it's time to sprint and run again. And it's like, oh wait, oh we're slowed, we're slowing down. Yeah, it's just one, like you this know, loud kind of chunky, you know, palm muting song. I love how uh, D- Dave grabs the higher notes on that, pushing the bass sound like over the top of the music. It seems like, and uh, and then Ari is just yelling these lines, but it's very melodic, you know, and it's mixed in with these yeah. guitar lines, and it just sounds really neat. But yeah, the song does kind of slow things down a bit. It is, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what, actually, I really, and I'll do this a lot with this record, you know, I'll go, you know what, like, eh, that's not my favorite song. And then I'll li- really listen to it and go, oh, but I forgot about this part. Holy crap. This yeah. is like the best part of the whole record. Oh my God. You know, it's like every song is like that almost. So there's a great line in here. Sometimes knowing is not enough when time is what we've lost. And I often wonder if he's talking about retrospect, you know, looking back, like if I knew then what I know now, but that time is gone and there's really nothing you can do about it. Uh, I could be way off, but that uh, this song to me always kind of reminded me of like thinking back, retrospect, sort of looking at things, you know, from like hindsight, from, yeah, kind from of something like of, that. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. I never thought about it too much lyrically, not this song mm-hmm. anyways, you know? I always picture it because of the title, Hey, Katrine, like it's just him kind of like talking to somebody. But no, now, mm-hmm. I, yeah, mm-hmm. now you're giving me homework again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to go and really analyze it much deeper than I have in the past. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Definitely. All right. Let's close outside A with bringing it backwards. I love how this one hits and then the guitar swings underneath. This is a great one. Yeah, yeah. You hear yeah, this yeah. in so many songs and it's never not awesome. It's just a really cool way to bring it in. And the song is just a ripper. So you come out of Hey Katrina and you've got this one. Yeah, it's like we're straight back Fast back to fifth gear, hey, right? Like us? here yeah. we go again. <laughs> right. We just got Okay, we just uh we pulled off the freeway for a pit stop, and now we're back in the fast lane again. Yeah, okay, it's great. Blast. It's a minute and a half, and it just zooms through. Yep, yep. And yet still has time for a middle section where all the instruments drop out, and then they bring it back up again. I was always impressed by how they could do all that in just a minute and a half, you know? <laughs> right. This band knew how to write a song, Absolutely, right? That's yeah. probably their strongest suit. I mean, it's just they know their way around songwriting Mm -hmm. they can write like incredible songs Mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat it seems like almost so even with a song as simple as this yeah yeah it's just the composition and the way they put it all together and 
it's like, oh my God, you know, any other band that would try and tackle that, it wouldn't sound half as good, mm -hmm. I don't think. So, yeah, definitely. Other than Tilt Wheel or the Prozacs. That's what I meant to say. But anyways, <laughs> absolutely. You know, here, here we are. So. A cool little fact about the song, Bob, is in 96, the song was released on the Tie That Binds comp from Nevermore Records. It was a different mix that was later included on Somewhere in the Swamps of Jersey. Uh, yeah. There are uh, some pretty cool mixes out there. And so I, I thought this song was, it was pretty cool to, to learn that. I didn't know. Yeah, I, I I didn't realize it was on that other comp. I do actually have the discography here, and you know, I do I do not own somewhere in the swamps of New Jersey. I actually don't have a it situation. I had to look it up on YouTube. You don't, yeah. <laughs> man. I did. I I'm I was looking at it on Bandcamp last night, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my god, why don't I own this record? Right. This is like. <laughs> my record this is the record here, that yeah. <laughs> yeah right i mean it's incredible so yeah yeah well cool be sure to follow talking records on social media we can be found on instagram at talking records podcast we're also on facebook twitter and youtube give us a like or a follow and we'll try to keep fresh content coming your way daily you can also visit our website at talkingrecordspodcast.com there you will find episodes merch and more you can even drop us an email at talkingrecords at outlook.com. These are all great ways for us to connect with you over all the great music we enjoy. We would love to get this podcast in front of more music lovers, and you can help by providing us with a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts, as every review helps us reach more listeners. Also, word of mouth is helpful too. Thanks, everyone. Now let's check out Side B. Starting off side B is how we are. It's a great one. If you jack the volume up at the start of this one, you can hear someone complaining about being stuck to the floor. <laughs> Have you ever heard it? Oh, yeah, I'm stuck to the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, somebody goes, yeah, this song could use a little get pissed. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, and then that I've always caught that last part of what he says. Yeah, you got to turn it way up. Like, oh, yeah. this one's going to be good. You know, <laughs> this is going to be like another real, like really good one. So I was just wondering, like, well, what, what's going on in that studio? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But I can think of like many bar shows where by the end of the night with all the like spilt beer, my feet are sticking to the floor. <laughs> so, oh, that's yeah. Good point. Good point. It's so gross. Oh, and how we are. Okay. So how we are is one of the two songs on this record. That's more or less addressed to people who criticize the band or haters. Mm -hmm. the how we are is like the lyrically, they're basically saying, this is what we like to do. It's how we are, right. you know, and every, every lyric that goes through is like, here, I actually have those right here. Yeah. Kids won't come around tonight. They're staying home. Mm -hmm. And what if we only pl played to only 23? It's how we are. It's like, yeah, he's, he's basically saying like, so, you know what? So he's also the fuck. What, if yeah. we, what, what should we be bigger? I think he's addressing people that are like, man, why are you guys wasting your time playing in basements? You should be out, right. you know, over here playing. And he's like, well, fuck, who cares? We're doing what we want. It's how we are. Yeah, it lines and up perfectly with what would happen after the record came out. Yeah, that, that feeling. Right, this right. Is, this is where we want to be, and we don't want to be over there. And we don't want to do with those things. <laughs> that, 
Yep. And I think he's also, yeah, you see, he's talking about, I heard you got us figured out. And now there's talk about the band, but we don't hear because we don't care. It's how we are. It's how we are. You mm-hmm. know? So he's just basically like, this is who we are. Deal with it. Yeah. And that's the end. Cool thing about this song is Dave actually takes the vocal, the first, well, the first vocal on this one, singing that first oh. part. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Cool. I like you know for for the longest time I thought the voice sounded different and it wasn't until I looked up some live shots on YouTube and I saw Dave singing the first part and then Ari coming in that I figured that out so awesome oh, I'll have to go back and look yeah more homework man thanks Jed <laughs> you know you made sure I'll be up till midnight tonight that's yeah. cool that's good I either have a great ear or I'm a giant dork you know I, the the jury's still out there <laughs> <laughs> I go with the first one you know sure. I don't know if you say it the former or the latter but yeah. I'm gonna give you definitely give you credit and say I'd go with the first oh, David, thanks man. So. and I barely know you you know but there you go I mean that's for you be made a great first impression on me as excellent to say. <laughs> all right let's get into theme song for a new Brunswick basement show <laughs> Ah, this is there. ever this is their big there song. is a song yeah. that defines Lifetime, I think there this it is, is it. right there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> this is it. Ari Katz tells a story about sitting next to the girl of his dreams at a basement show and wonders if she could take the place of the current object of his heartbreak. According to drummer Scott, there were just these killer shows that somehow wound up going on in this basement all the time. Friends bands would come in from out of town, like Ignite played there a couple times. The last show we had there got shut down by the cops, but Sick of It All played there. It was just this weird and incredible dynamic that I don't know if they could have pulled off anywhere else. But somehow these guys had their shit together, they charged admission at the door, and it was pretty much a legitimate operation as far as a venue. But it just so happened to be at someone's house. So I think it's a really cool story because it just gives you context that you know these guys were going to these shows and hanging out, meeting bands, and bands were playing. And here's Ari becoming smitten with somebody at this show, this basement show, and uh, right. writing this great song about it, this classic song about it. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, doesn't it in some ways make you, well, I'm from the West Coast, so maybe mm. you have this there, but we don't have basement shows here. Mm. And we have we don't have basements here. Right. So <laughs> that's not a thing. And anytime I read the title of that song, I always kind of yearn for <laughs> being able to play or go to a basement show because yeah. I played plenty of them in my life outside of California. Mm. And I grew up with a basement in my house. And yeah. that was the fun room, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. that was that's the room you go to. Room, that's yeah. where the pool table is. That's where the band practice is, <laughs> yep. you know? That when I was a kid, that's where I could go watch TV and play with toys. Absolutely. So there's always something so fun surrounding basements, unless if you're in like a horror movie, then it's a whole different story. But <laughs> or if you're talking about a basement on the Bobcast, we're talking about some serious haunted stuff. Some secret rooms, going on, usually some uh, fake <laughs> floors. <laughs> right, right. However, in the context of Jersey's Best Dancer and that whole thing, there's a whole kind of story behind this basement show right mm-hmm. and it's so it's so cool it's like I, it just it feels yeah. yeah yeah and it fills me with like a yearning to go to a basement show it makes me want to totally go hang does. out yeah and watch a band play in a basement and drink beer with my friends mm-hmm. and just you know have a great time kind of thing yeah definitely takes you back i love songs that can make you feel that nostalgia or, or put you 
in the mood or in a scene or you know provide that feeling i think these songs do such sure. a good job of capturing that yeah i'm, I'm with you 100 percent. this there, one sure. it's not as ripping fast as some of the other songs it's a bit slower uh, but it finds a nice groove and it kind of lets you I settle agree. into it a little bit which i like because i i don't have any complaints about lifetime but sometimes i just feel like the songs go by maybe a little too fast like i love right, the energy right i love but there's such great writing in here and great parts you kind you kind of blink and you miss it so when they slow yeah. things down a little bit you kind of can fall into the story a little bit you can hear the lyrics a little bit better um, I don't know if these guys have done like any acoustic performances, but if you actually get to hear the songs a little bit, you'd be like, wow, these are really great songs. They're not just blasts of loud, you know, <laughs> they're complex songs mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. That is kind of the opposite of what you'd expect it for a, a, a record. What? 12 songs in 24 minutes or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, though, the songs are very complex and layered and structured a certain way. Yeah, but, but like you said, my main complaint too is, God, it's just, they're too short almost. You, know, you don't get to savor them enough. <laughs> that's a good complaint because you're basically saying, I want it more. It is a good complaint more. to have. I love that the songs don't get repetitive too. Like the, you know, these songs right. don't fall into that. Like trying to get the earworm, like trying to get the repetitive chorus that you are singing it, which can really turn you off to a song a lot quicker. Sure, the songs stay sure. with me a bit because they're not like that. So I like that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. Moving on to Cut the Tension. I would say this is another of my favorite songs on the album. A song about that person who is your anchor. That person who, you know, kind of keeps you grounded. It's a really sweet song about having that safe feeling with another person, another human being. And I think that's really cool. I like this one. I don't, you know, this is one of those songs, this one and The Truth About Lars are the two songs Mm -hmm. that I kind of get lost on for Mm -hmm. some reason. Okay. That I've never really, I've heard a hundred thousand times or whatever, (laughs) but I've never, they don't, they, maybe they just haven't left much of of an impression on me for some reason. Yeah. Middle side B. I don't know why. (laughs) But I mean, you know, but. To hear you say, you know, hey, like this, yeah, one of my favorite songs, it makes me instantly go, man, I got to go. I got to go back and listen to yeah. this one again to see what I'm missing. Sure. Right. Yeah. Give it a listen. You know, I'm a sucker for a love song, but I, I like my love songs to be free of mush. You know, I don't like the mushy, ah. like sappy. <laughs> well, let's be honest. I do. But <laughs> I really like the love songs that you don't kind of feel like uncomfortable or like, ew, dude, like, you know, <laughs> And I right, feel like this is a right, good one. I right. feel like this is a good love song for that. Ari sings, when I feel that coming tension, I want to run in your direction. When panic's got me by the collar, I need to go your way. He's talking about having someone to lean on, that person who's able to help him cut the tension in his life. You know, having that that ah. person that you can just kind of like relax and like let your shoulders down and breathe easy around. And isn't that the best thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been married for... 10 years now and so that's definitely applies to me thankfully i got i'm i'm fortunate enough to have that in my life so i know what a great thing that is you know so you got me all sappy and speechless here there you go put on uh put on cut the tension i brought up the sappiness (laughs) you did behind his dark exterior behind his mysterious (laughs) 
horror podcast, Lies a Sensitive Man. Oh, right. A very soft, softy, yes. <laughs> a very big softy. So. <laughs> Let's take a look at the truth about Lars. Starting off with guitar, this one just drives forward before suddenly taking off at like a hundred miles per hour. It's kind of like the false beginning where it's like they start at one tempo, then they're like, and here we go, off to the races. And I love how Lifetime would do that, kind of switch tempos on you. Yeah. I came up short on this one. Who's Lars? Anybody knows? Talking records at Outlook.com. Who's Lars? (laughs) (laughs) Ari, if you're listening. Can you please get in touch with Jed and solve yeah. this mystery? That's what I think. I bet he's a frequent listener. <laughs> you never know, man. It's true. You, absolutely you never, never, you know, never so. do know who's listening out there, which is, which right. is kind of fun. That's right. Maybe a song about managing life from the road. We heard a, a Life from the Road song earlier, trying to keep relationships on track or handling things at home through phone lines or something. While a relationship might be deteriorating back home, he's trying to push the band forward. And I get that when he sings... And my legacy will be one that keeps me pushing me away. So it's back to engines, mm. underfoot, and miles of great disdain. So again, it's that relationship with being on the road and pushing the band and having to, you know, I've, I've heard the drummer for The Refused call it recitals every night. You know, going on the road and performing and, you know, maybe it loses its luster after a while. Maybe it kind of becomes mundane. You lose that, that energy. Uh, and so you're kind of balancing life on the road sure. with things that are going on back at home. Very interesting. Yeah. I never paid much attention to the lyrics for that song. Mm-hmm. So that is very interesting that there's there could be that connection between him, you know, feeling like being on the road all the time is kind of messing up things sure. back at home in some ways. You yeah. Know? I love how the end, they have to coax that last drum section out of Scotty. Hey, Scotty, come on. (laughs) If you turn it up. I always love that part. Maybe Scotty was getting tired of being on the road, too. And he's like, no, I'm about to pack this in. And no, no, come on, Scotty. Yeah. All right. Another lifetime staple. The boy's no good. Kicking off with another sample, this song slides in and takes off. Such great energy on this record. I just love it. I love how the song charges forward until the chorus, the boys no good section where it slows down until the end. It's a very short song. Again, like I think this is just barely over a minute. Yeah, one minute, 12 seconds. Yep, yep. And it says a lot in that one minute and 12 seconds, you know? It does. (laughs) And I mean, I always feel like it's that, that kind of Jersey thing, like a bunch of dudes hanging out in front of the pizza parlor talking to, I don't know. I just get that very yeah. Sopranos ish, you know, kind of like, <laughs> eh, that boy's no good. You know, he's yeah. no good. I'll tell you, he's no good. Yeah. That kind of thing. Right. Mm. I, I don't know if that's what it's about. Well, they do call him a hood. Mm. So maybe it is a mafia inspired maybe. song. Who knows? Mm. So conspiracy Who knows? theories abound. I know. Conspiracy is something we talk about on the, you know, I want to party with Bob. Um, you can, anyway, that was a joke. <laughs> that was in poor taste. It's know? a good, good sell. 
Rise Against does a cover of this song where they even imitate the sample opening. <laughs> it's a bonus track on their The Sufferer and The Witness album. I uh, thought that was kind of cool. They do a pretty good cover of this song. That's cool. I like Rise Against, actually. Yeah. I think they're they're a great band filled they with do a good really job. good people, too. You know, so mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they also said that Lifetime was a band that hugely influenced them, and they lo- they were Lifetime fans since the re- the Jersey's Best Dancer days. So that's great. Cool, I love it. All right, the album closes down with the Verona Kings. Verona Kings, another another shout out to the haters. Mm. Verona Kings is yeah. yes, indeed. It's a song about the music, the sounds and songs. <laughs> yeah, Ari yep. sings. If when we find the sound we're after, the records seem to skip and the singles way too short. The speakers pounding out the songs we'd love to do without. And that it, the the my favorite lyrics. They don't hear it. They don't feel it. They can't see it. Turn it up. They can't. They can't hear it. Turn it up. Turn it up. You know, you keep, it's like the crowd telling them how to do their jobs right. in some ways. And he's like, he's like, oh, my God, I'm sick of you people. <laughs> right? Like Maybe like at a big venue or something like that. Yeah. You know, it, do you have a hard time hearing when you've played like way bigger places? I mean, oh, for totally. me, as, yeah. as the drummer, it sucks. Like, you turn the monitors way up because I can't hear you get anything. You a bad so. monitor mix or like when you're in a big oh. echoey place and right, you just, you, you, like you're hearing your voice back at you, but like a, like a half second behind and it's just like, right. what's going on? And Oh man, totally, totally. It like throws everything off. So I can imagine him just saying like, everybody's like, nobody likes, everybody's criticizing what we're doing, you know, like, oh, fuck it. Like, okay, whatever. Here you go. Here's a song for you, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like leave us alone kind yeah. of thing, maybe. It's a, a great album. It's a very quick album, as we said. I mean, it just gets over 20 minutes long. At around 10 minutes aside, the album just flies by. So, I mean, we're already at Verona Kings, and it's like, boom, you know, album done. That album feels so much longer than it is to yeah. me for some reason too, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much kind of packed into such a short it's time. Intense, it's, yeah. It really feels to me like it's a much longer record in mm-hmm. some ways. Yeah, I agree. While also feeling like it's too short too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because at the end you're like, whoa, where did it go? They packed but a whole lot into know. a short amount of time, which it is does. great because you know, there's a lot of bands out there that go on and on and they have a long record and you feel like, wow, they could have really cut this down to <laughs> about half. They could have chopped like three or four of the songs. So it's out all about entire, you know, using right? what you've yeah. got to sit. You know, it's, I think it's really great. I think it's a pretty, pretty fine craft. I do, too. And I always I got to say, I always walk away after I've listened to the whole record end to end like very satisfying yeah. right like yeah that was kind of the perfect amount of time Absolutely. yeah it's short it's very short and it feels like it's kind of long at the same time but it's kind of just right for my attention span in some ways you know so i want to take a quick look at the artwork for this record the art uh packaging was designed by john yates who had done yes. work with operation ivy green day no effects jawbreaker the dead kennedys He's got so many record covers out there that I've actually reached out to John Yates and, and, and spoken to him. 
And sometimes he has a hard time remembering some of the records that he's done. He's done he's so done many. He's done a lot of stuff. He's like, yeah. you got to remember, I did a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did Wasn't his company called Steelworks? Yeah, Steelworks. Yep. Yeah, Steelworks. Yep. But Yates is a pretty accomplished guy, and he does such an amazing job mm -hmm. with design. It's it's in, like this record. Like I said, that that's kind of almost why one of the other reasons why I bought the record you know, the label, mm -hmm. the title jerseys, best dancers, but also that picture of them on the cover all cut with Ari kind of sitting there at the bar, you know, like yeah. with, a, with a straw hat on. And it just looked, it's such a cool I layout. I wondered picture. if this was the band on here. Do you think that's the band? On the cover of, of jerseys, best yeah. dancers? I think so. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I heard a rumor that it was a picture from a place, like a bar in Jersey that they just liked or something. I, I, I could that's, be totally wrong, but that is that's Ari though on the cover. Yeah, See, I, right, I couldn't right. find my I couldn't find my CD. <laughs> I only have it on CD. I don't have it on vinyl. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely Ari. Mm -hmm. I would pick Yemen Dan Yemen as being straight behind kind of the flame or whatever it is, mm -hmm. straight back, and then. I can't. I don't know which guy it is though on the left, mm -hmm. but that's also another one from lifetime too i right. if i had to if i was a betting man i would say yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> sweet in closing according to vice magazine it's arguable that there are few if any 24 minute stretches of recorded music more important to shaping an entire industry than the 12 songs on jersey's best dancers their melodic and softer brand of hardcore meets pop punk directly influenced bands like saves the day and taking back sunday according to punknews.org the sound captured on that 1997 release is still booming through today's musical world via all sorts of bands, underground and otherwise. I didn't catch this album when it came out in 97, as I was heavily immersed in fat epitaph bands. I'm not sure it would have been my thing back then, but when I heard it in the mid-2000s, it just totally hit me, and there was no denying the power in this record. I don't remember much about that show I mentioned earlier, except hearing this album being blasted between bands. As I got to know the band, I discovered their incredible impact. Eddie Cespeda from Vice wrote, For better or worse, without Lifetime, it's entirely conceivable that Emo may have never left the basements, rec centers, and party halls it came from. One could argue that this is exactly what Lifetime had tried to avoid. I disagree with him on the Emo thing. Yeah. Though I do think that he that Lifetime ended up launching the careers of many many bands that wouldn't have been nearly as popular had they gone a different path sure. or had they not been influenced by Lifetime. Yeah, I think there were a lot of bands that other bands that were kind of laying the groundwork for for that kind of early late nineties early two thousands wave of emo like Jimmy Eat World yeah, for you example. The you know, ring. and the Promise Ring mm. especially right yeah. Mineral. I mean, yeah. Um, braid right there are so many bands that were already kind of laying that groundwork but did, nobody did what lifetime did and nobody made such a lasting impression on so many people that did end up getting into emo and, and in mm -hmm. some ways i think it did influence the course of it um you know punk rock was a much better place with lifetime around mm -hmm. and i'm grateful for this record because i think it's probably the one record that you know I absolutely could not live without mm. like any, you can, there are so many other records that I kind of say that and think that about. Yeah. 
but this is the one that still you know gets me like right here every time i hear it and it's like oh my god this is the best record that's ever been so i do want to say kind of in closing something that i found out about last night when i was looking into you know just stuff about lifetime that was kind of cool and important to talk about on this podcast mm -hmm. and that is in may of 2021 ari said we are writing new songs we are writing really? new lifetime songs wow. he said for the first time in 14 years we're actually writing new songs that's so yeah something to look forward to oh my god i can't wait i didn't know that so, that's great yeah yeah it was uh, like a, i have the link i think it was like punk news mm -hmm. where is it uh, no brooklyn uh, brooklyn vegan Excellent. he was talking to brooklyn vegan so and things said, are yep, stirring that's awesome things are stirring yes they are <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time that's to bring great. it back 2021 yeah i agree i mean if if we're all gonna you know if everything's gonna go to hell soon we might as well get a new <laughs> lifetime record yeah. out of it before we before it all goes away absolutely so, let's hope it doesn't because yeah. i think we all have a lot more great fun stuff to do a lot more to do yeah we do we do right you have a lot more records a lot more records about. to cover yeah <laughs> there's a lot of ghosts and ufos and yeah. you know cryptids that haven't been discovered out there that i need to keep talking about Absolutely. so let's stay around as long as we can and if, if we have a lifetime record to listen to while we do all this other stuff Bonus. a new lifetime record oh even better yeah even better <laughs> all right bob well, i had a blast talking to you today i would like to thank you for coming on the show and talking lifetime with me tonight this was a lot of fun you got it, Jed. Yeah, it was an absolute blast talking to you too, man. Really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk about one of my favorite, favorite records yeah, of all time. this was fun. It's a great record. Uh, I want to encourage people to check out your podcast, I Want to Party with Bob. Where can people find you on the socials, Bob? Uh, mainly Instagram and Twitter. I don't do Facebook too much because I got tired of people's grandmas calling me like a baby killer, and, you know, yada, yada. <laughs> so I kind of drifted away from nice Facebook and headed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I headed straight for Instagram and Twitter. I want to party with Bob on both. They can find me. That's where I'll talk about new episodes, new things I'm doing this and that. So yeah, that's absolutely the best way to, to see what kind of ghoulishness I'm up to. Yeah. Great podcast. You dove into the more scary stories to tell in the dark. And I got I had a blast listening to that episode. That was a lot of fun. Oh, Took great. me back to great. fifth grade, pouring through those books and looking at those grotesque illustrations. That was a lot of fun. The illustrations, right? Yeah. That's the thing that it's that anchors it all. Yeah. yeah. I'm go I'm so I'm glad you liked it. I hope you get a chance to watch uh, Cody Merrick's I want to check documentary about absolutely. it too. It, it, incredible film. Yeah. Absolutely incredible film. So I want to thank Michael X. Krusty for connecting me with you, Bob. That was, that was a great connection there. I would like to send a huge thank you to Krista Makes from Less Than Jake for the theme music. Also, a giant thank you goes out to all of you who have tuned into this episode, the string of episodes, or maybe you've been tuning in each week. We can't thank you enough for your support of what we are doing. The whole point of starting this podcast was to connect with other music fans about great albums. Bob, it's been rad reconnecting with you, and I can't wait to get out and uh, listen to some more of your episodes, and I hope we can do this again sometime. Sometime? Yeah, let me know. I have a lot of favorite records, so I'll definitely come back when you'll have me. That's for sure. Very so. cool. 
as you can see behind me, I am a very big Misfits fan. Obviously. You've got the Crimson Ghost like sitting on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, he's right behind, behind me. Yeah, and then the toys on the shelf yeah. back over very here. Nice. So, yep, yep. Anyway, yeah, thank you again, Jed. Yeah, I'll absolutely talk to you again anytime. So, very cool. All right, Bob, take care. Everyone, take care. Be good. All right, see you next time.